The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, uh, but we don't let him have sharpened objects around anymore because then he might stab somebody. Welcome, Jacob. Snick. <laughs> We're in trouble now, folks. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> man. Wow. <laughs> I feel sorry for the audio people listening to this because they don't know why. What, what was so funny about that? That you said sneak. You know, Wolverine claws. Sneak. That's. Okay, that probably goes up. Anyway, anyways. <laughs> Why, thank you. And let me do our co-host, the man who stole my pun, but let's go, let's <laughs> go for a pun, too. Um, didn't, like, didn't know the girl he was in love with was actually a freaking dragon. <laughs> Welcome, Drew. Cutest dragon I've ever seen. <laughs> anyway, yes. I don't have a really good place to go with that. <laughs> Yeah, today we are beginning maybe our second or third to last Miyazaki month because we are coming into the end of what they put out. Yeah. Uh, this month, of course, we're also only doing three. Today we're starting with Tales from Earthsea, which I, I was not given a lot of glowing reviews going into this. Right. But uh, I will give it this much. It got me to read the books. Really? Or at least I started on the books. Huh. So, yeah. You ready to jump into the spoiler-free section on this? Yeah, let's jump into it. All righty. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. So, yeah, this is my first viewing mm -hmm. of the film. Yeah. Bought it last year for last year's Ghibli month. Miyazaki and Ghibli month. Yeah. But because of a last-minute and stress on the last-minute schedule change, because of uh, work schedule change, we didn't get to till this year. True. Uh, didn't and it's an interesting film. Uh, I, I I have some things I'll talk about later on. That's the troubles I have with this. Okay. But for the most part, this is this may be one of the weakest Miyazaki. Uh, not Miyazaki, even though it is a Miyazaki film technically. This is one of the weakest Ghibli films. I think, but mm. not for lack of trying. Okay. I think it's got a couple of issues and maybe some poor decisions on it from a first-time director, but it's still a good film. So what are your thoughts? Uh, this is the first time I ever watched this film, and honestly, I was blown away by it because they're getting the historical nerd in me. I'm like, oh, I love these backgrounds. I love the 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 city sets mm -hmm. and the whole bit, the... Uh, the uh, medieval fantasy kind of uh world i love this kind of stuff uh it reminds me of my childhood like watching like he-man and thundercats mm -hmm. and all that kind of great stuff uh overall i really enjoyed it there were parts of her like okay that's cool the ending went what okay i was thrown i was like okay they're they're setting this special character up have no idea what they're doing or i, I didn't know what they were doing it's like oh this character is this what it does kind of come out of nowhere yeah your only clue is the fact that you saw the cover of this movie 
mm-hmm. and you're going outside of those two dragons in the beginning. Where's the cover? <laughs> well, that was the thing. That was the thing. Like at the actual cover, cover right there, right there, over there, somewhere. Um, behind your head. Behind my head at some point. Um, and it's one of these directions over here. I think it's right. No, there. There it is. Anyway. Anyways. Um, uh, by the cover itself, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's got dragons in it. And I was like, okay, cool. Technically, they, the, the plural is correct. Yeah, dragons. Three. Three. Technically. Technically. <laughs> technically. Air quotes. Technically. Um, but uh, by that definition, I was like, okay, sign me up. It's got dragons. I want to watch it. Because they are again kind of arcs back to my childhood. Be like, uh, like getting into like sci-fi and bi- mm-hmm. fa- medieval fantasy kind of stuff, and like that just kind of stuff that just draws me back. And like that's the kind of stuff I like. So I was like, okay, I'm intrigued. And watching the film, I was really intrigued. I was really enjoying the movie, and uh, I was like, wow, this is a good movie. And then the the very end went, what the crap just happened? <laughs> But overall, I enjoyed it. Would I recommend it? Yes. You can watch it on Max. So, yes, go watch it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I don't really see why. I can I can understand where people would say this is the weakest Studio Ghibli movie. I can see that. But at the same time, it's just it's a uh, it's a cut above. the It's it's a different kind of cut of it, a movie. It's, the thi- it's like with Pixar, how yeah things that. Pixar would do that everyone else we would be fine with. Yeah. And then Pixar does it. It's disappointing. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of thing. Cause, uh, okay. Like Pixar I, uh, studio Ghibli films do get kind of held to a higher yeah. standard than sure. is probably fair. I will, like I said, this is not a bad film. I think it's the weakest, but bear in mind where the baseline is for, yeah. for uh, these films. Uh, Totoro. Totoro. Oh, the worst film, I still say, this mm. is a personal thought. Okay. But my personal is the worst one was still uh, uh, Ocean Waves. <laughs> Ocean Waves, yeah. But then if we're being nice, let's be honest, The the probably the, well, honestly, <laughs> Ocean Waves might be the worst either way. <laughs> but uh, even the Ocean Waves, as much as I don't like it, yeah, it's still very well done. Yeah. Film. yeah. Yeah, just go and listen to that episode that's, we that's did. A fun episode. That is a fun episode of Drew going on his rant over quoting uh, Frasier. Episode of Frasier, which is just the greatest. Someone go find, go listen to it, clip it, put it online, and let people else listen to it. It is so much fun. I may do this myself. Yes. Anyway. Yes. So you ready to jump into the spoiler filled section? Yeah, on this? Let's let's spoil this thing. Alrighty. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the film Tales from Earthsea. Listener discretion is advised. Once again, I, I, I think I have to say this nearly every anime review, though I think I may have missed it a couple last ones. Mm. We are doing the English dub. Yes, we are doing so, the English dub. Tales from Earthsea was written and directed by Goro Miyazaki, which this is his directorial debut. Mm. It was also written by Keiko Niwa. It is based on the tale, the Earthsea series by Ursula K. Le Guin and partially inspired by a, another work 
actually written by Hayao Miyazaki that for some reason I did not write on here. Getting into the cast, we've got Timothy Dalton playing mm. Sparrowhawk. And he was James Bond in The Living Daylights and mm. License to Kill. Yes. But we probably know him from Tangled the series where he played Demanitus. That's right. He did play Demanitus. Mm-hmm. That's right. Our, our little monkey friend. <laughs> I thought Demanitus was the villain. No. Then it is the monkey guy. It's one of the yeah, two. Demanitus would be like he was Demanitus the monkey. does sound like it would be a villain. No, that <laughs> was... Oh crap! It's been a yeah, while. It is that one episode uh, where he turns into be like where, he's, where he where uh, Vigor the, yeah becomes sane for five for, for an episode <laughs> for an episode yes yeah Matt Arin played Prince Aaron and uh, in the film Tropic Thunder, do you know this film? I've heard of it. Yes. <laughs> okay, so at the beginning of the film, uh, it, 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 when after the director gets the idea to take these comedic actors and throw them out into a yeah. war zone and make them survive. Yeah. Which doesn't go too well. And um, as soon as the guy says, the director says action, both the director and the camera guys and everyone else in the crew that's went in with them for this guerrilla style filmmaking, they all get killed, leaving the actors to fend for themselves. But the actors don't realize that uh, that was real. So they think they're just still acting. <laughs> right, right. I say that because one of those camera guys <laughs> played Prince Aaron. Oh gosh, poor <laughs> bloke. <laughs> and that was literally the best thing I could find. Wow. <laughs> oh, okay. He got Gorilla Kong there. Pretty much. Though so maybe not Viet as, Kong, sorry, maybe not as Kong. bad as a uh, Blair Restineo who played uh, Theru. Yeah, Theru. And in something, she played a character named Maggie Davis in something called The Legend of Sasquatch. Hmm. I don't even know what this is other than it looks like something that Mystery Science Theater 3000 would would riff on. (laughs) Uh, Mariska Haggerty was Tanar. Mm -hmm. And she's most famous for playing Olivia Benson in the Law and Order franchise. Yes, that's what I thought. I thought I recognized your voice from there. Willem Dafoe yes. was the voice of Cobb. Yes. yes, Cobb. And uh, he was Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin, in the Spider-Man franchise. <laughs> Packer! Last but not least, Cheech Marin. Cheech Marin. Played Hare, the slaver. Oh, that makes perfect sense because it sounds like, wait a minute. Actually, now it's like, actually thinking about it, it's like, wow, that does sound like Cheech Marin. Yeah, and that's it, it, this is literally like the most I've heard him act since The Lion King. Because <laughs> most of the time he just has bit roles. Yeah. This is like, no, you actually have a decent role in this film. Yes. Uh, but yeah, he was Tito in Oliver and Company. Mm-hmm. And uh, another character in The Lion King. But I, of course, did not bring that up because that may be a Kingdom Hearts connection. Oh, <laughs> You want to, I got one. You got one. Can you guess how many other Kingdom Hearts connections there are? Oh my gosh. This was a movie. This was in 2006 when this movie was dubbed. And to th- and like 2005 when it was released in Japan, and, I believe. Okay. Um, and bear in mind, I do count both voice, all voice cast. Gotcha. 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 So there's a, there's cross pollination. Yes. Um, I would probably go with maybe seven. 
he's counting people. But hang on. Okay. More counting? More. It's higher. Oh, it's nine. Higher. Twelve. Lower. Ten. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it is ten. And you want to know fun? Even though I gave you the I the the thing about it may be a Japanese maybe Japanese people. Uh-huh. There's no Japanese people in the in the Japanese version in this. That was also in the in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> so starting off, we've got Kevin Michael Richardson, mm. who was the ship captain and one of Hare's lieutenants. Oh, okay. He played Sebastian and Captain Gontu in Kingdom Hearts. Tress McNeil was the, one of the peasant women. Yes. I believe the one that is uh, uh, talking there after uh, Sparrowhawk leaves to go get the sword. Oh, yeah. yeah. That uh, they all they run into. The, like the two got the gospel woman? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, those I think that one of those is oh, Tress okay. McNeil. Oh, okay. Uh, she's Daisy Duck. The Queen of Hearts and Chip and Meriwether and Kanga in Kingdom Hearts. Huh. Of course, Cheech Marin, who plays Hare here, is Bonsai in Kingdom Hearts, the hyena. Mm-hmm. Jeff Bennett, who has additional voices here, was the mayor of Halloween Town, Mr. Shmee, Beryl, Large Beagle Boy, Small Beagle Boy, Geppetto, Merlin, and Lumiere in Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. Jess Harnell, who played the Hazia dealer, the one that tried to get the prince on uh, drugs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he plays Doctor. F- uh, he plays Doctor Fingelstein Locke and additional voices in Kingdom Hearts Three. Who was that voice actor? Jess Harnell. Oh, Jack Har- Warner. Oh, okay, got it. Got That's it, the got main it. thing we know him from. Party emergency. Party emergency. <laughs> Brian George played the king, and in Kingdom Hearts he played Barbosa. Mm. Russie Taylor. Played the other peasant woman. Of course, she's Queen Minnie Mouse and Fauna. And I want to point out something here. Okay. That means, in a strange way, those gossiping women were Minnie Mouse and Daisy Duck. (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. Putting that out there. Speaking of uh, major voice actresses from Disney, Suzanne Blakesley, who in this film played the queen. And uh, in Kingdom Hearts, she was Maleficent. Mm Mm-hmm the Twilight Town computer and Lady Tremaine and the evil queen. Oh, okay. She hmm. pretty much plays every classic Disney villain. Oh. Hmm. And probably if Ursula ever comes back, probably her too. Yeah. <laughs> ever since Pat Carroll has passed away. Yes. But that hasn't happened yet, so we don't know. Yeah. Uh, so it's Tara Strong most likely. So it's probably Tara Strong who has additional voices in both. Oh, okay. Because there again, Tara Strong does everything. Well, yes. And uh, Karen Straussman was additional voices in mm. both. Hmm. So what do we have in info and stuff? Ah, so info and stuff. Let me get out, give me all the way to the info and stuff. All right, so info and stuff. Uh, IMDb, it is a 6.3 out of 10. It's available on Max if you are subscribed to Max, formerly known as HBO Max. Production Formerly was- known as HBO online yes formerly known as hbo we want money fair uh production obviously was studio ghibli distributed by toho well i like saying toho that's toho. a toho it's a very <laughs> fun name to say toho uh it was originally released on september 20 29 2016 
uh was that the japanese release day or no, if it's 2016 that's right that's, that's right the english one yes there's yes, actually i don't know if you got this in there there was a reason disney did not immediately release this really when it came to america and that's because the sci-fi channel for one of their uh direct to sci-fi oh, original channel original movies yeah was a had their they had the rights to earth sea and so disney illegally couldn't release it in the united states oh and so that went up and then they could make the english dub all right so uh let me get to it all right it had an estimated budget of 22 million dollars it's open uh let's go to the japanese box office first then we'll get into the american uh the film reached number one in the japanese box office on its opening week it grossed over 900 million yen or 7.7 million dollars in u.s dollars uh pushing part parts of the caribbean dead man's chest the second place and becoming the number one film in the country for five weeks it be dead man's chest i think what year did you say this came out 2006 so this has been 2005 okay yeah sorry 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 yeah it became the year's fourth top-grossing movie in Japan, in the and the year's highest-grossing domestic Japanese film, with seven point sixty-five uh, th- billion yen. This would have been two thousand six because uh, that's when Dead Man's Chest came out. Yeah. So sorry, I had your dates wrong. Okay, no problem. Not a problem. Your computer is beeping. I know. I can't make it stop. Okay. As of two thousand twenty. It has grossed over 7.84 billion yen in Japan and 75.5 million million dollars worldwide. So now going into the U.S. release, um, first released in here in the United States and good old Canada uh, on August. This was the weekend of August 15th, 2015. Uh, it, uh, grossed on its opening weekend was 20, uh, 200, uh, not 200, 20, $20,000 and a lot of change. Um, it's us gross was us gross and Canada was 40, uh, $48,000 and a lot of change. It's overall, uh, international gross was 68.8 million dollars so yeah the movie's made some money uh let's see let's go into home release this is we're starting with japan the video was released on dvd and vhs in japan by bonavista home entertainment on july 4th 2007 the DVD included uh, included the movie with both the original Japanese uh, soundtrack and English dub, alongside a select of bonus features, a special special edition four four DVD set, four discs DVD set, was also released on the same day, featuring extra language tracks and more bonus material. Uh, Walt Disney Studio Japan released the film on Blu-ray on November 16, 2011. The company later reissued the DVD with a HD remaster on April 20th, 2022. In the United States, 
Walt Disney Studio Home Entertainment released the film on DVD on March 8th, 2011. The company later released the movie for the first time on Blu-ray on on February 3rd, 2016. G-Kids later on reissued the film on Blu-ray and DVD on February 6th, 2018 under the new deal with Studio Ghibli. I don't believe there's a sequel, but apparently there's books. So there is a book franchise. Yes, there is a book franchise, apparently. So that is all I have for an influence stuff. All right, getting into the summary. As a war galley sails through a storm, two dragons fight above the clouds, ending in one's death. In the kingdom of Inlad, the royal wizard, Root, proclaims that dragons to be a sign of a loss of balance in the world. The king is dealing with disease sweeping across his kingdom and the disappearance of his son, Prince Aaron. In the middle of the night, Aaron kills his father, steals his father's sword, and flees the castle. Aaron travels through the desert and is rescued from wolves by the archmage Sparrowhawk. Together, they travel to the city of Hort Town, where Aaron explores the town alone. He rescues a young girl named Theru from slavers, but is later captured by the same slave master, Hare. His sword is dumped in the sea. Sparrowhawk rescues Aaron and the slave caravan and takes him to a farm run by Sparrowhawk's oldest and greatest friend, Tanar, who lives with Teru. Hmm. Sparrowhawk's intervention against Taru's slave caravan against Lord Cobb, a powerful warlock and the ruler of Horttown, who wants the Archmage brought to the castle. Meanwhile, Sparrowhawk tells Aaron that he seeks a way to restore the upset balance, then resumes his search in Horttown. While they... While there, he buys Aaron's sword from a merchant stall and manages to evade capture from, from Hare whilst learning about Cobb's castle. Aaron confesses to Teru that he killed his father and that he feels an unknown presence following him. Because of this, Aaron leaves the farm but is met by the presence, which is a mirror image of himself. Aaron falls unconscious after stumbling into a swamp while fleeing from the image. Cobb takes him to the castle where he manipulates Aaron into revealing his true name, Prince Labenin, to control him. Meanwhile, Hari captures Tanar to bait as bait to lure Sparrowhawk into the castle, leaving Teru tied to a post as a messenger. She frees herself and encounters Sparrowhawk, who gives her Aaron's sword to give to Aaron. Sparrowhawk breaks into the castle to save Tanar and confronts Cobb. Sparrowhawk learns that Cobb is causing the world's balance to collapse by opening the door between life and death to try and gain eternal life. Sparrowhawk tries to warn Cobb of the dangers of upsetting the balance, and Cobb sends Aaron out to kill him. Sparrowhawk frees the prince and Cobb's control, but is captured by Hare after being weakened. Meanwhile, Teru sees the duplicate of Aaron and follows him to the castle, where he reveals that he is the light within Aaron and tells Teru his true name. Teru enters the castle and learns of Sp- learns of Sparrowhawk and Tanar's sunrise execution. She finds Aaron guilty and hopeless and brings hope back to him, calling him by his true name and confiding in, her- in him her own true name, Tahanu. They rush to rescue Sparrowhawk from Tanar and Tanar. Aaron confronts Cobb, who tries to kill him. He fights back and finally unsheaths his sword, which was sealed with magic. Aaron cuts off Cobb's staff holding hand. Unable to use any of his magic powers, Cobb rapidly begins to age. He captures Teru and flees to the highest tower of the castle with Aaron in pursuit. Cornering Cobb, Aaron tries to explain what he learned about life and death from Teru and Sparrowhawk to Cobb, but the withering Dark Lord refuses to listen and uses the last of his magic to strangle Teru to death. Instead of dying, however, she reveals her true form as a dragon, possessing everlasting life. Teru kills Cobb with her fire breath and rescues Aaron from the collapsing tower. 
Sparrowhawk and Tanar leave the castle while Teru and Aaron, or Aaron, however you say this guy's name, land in a field <laughs> where Teru changes back into a human. Aaron tells Teru that he will leave for home to repent for his crime, but will come back to see her someday. After he and Teru reunite with Sparrowhawk and Tanar, the four of them spends some time together. Aaron and Sparrowhawk depart for Inland, bidding Teru and Tanar goodbye. Teru looks up to see her fellow dragons airborne, indicating that the balance of the world has been restored. Getting into the trivia for this. Hayao Miyazaki first wrote to author Ursula K. Le Guin about adapting her book into a film. Le Guin at the time was unfamiliar with Miyazaki's work and associated anim animation to be similar to Disney animation and turned the offer down. After she saw My Neighbor Totoro, she loved it and decided to, to allow the movie to be made. Hayao Miyazaki wanted to direct the film, but was busy filming Howl's Moving Castle at the time. Producer Toshio Suzuki chose Goro Miyazaki to direct since he was impressed by Goro's talent and making decisions quickly and properly while working at, in the Ghibli Museum and his ability to draw pictures. Hayao was against Goro directing and production was very tense. Ursula K. Le Guin was disappointed in the final adaptation of the book. Despite the movie being property of Japan Studio Ghibli, it marks Disney's, either through produ production or distribution, their first animated film to receive a PG-13 rating. Hmm. Parts of the film were inspired by and borrowed heavily from Hayao Miyazaki's graphic novel, this is the one I couldn't remember, hmm. The Journey of Shauna. Hayao also reused uh, elements from his book for his own directorial efforts, such as Princess Mononoke and Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Mm. Goro Miyazaki was 37 at the start of production, the same age as his father Hayao Miyazaki was uh, of his first film. This is Studio Ghibli's first film to be rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, standing at a 41%. Huh. This is loosely based on The Farthest Shore, the third book of the Earthsea novel series, by Ursula K. Le Guin. What is your first like for this film? My first like, and I, the, I this is the first thing that blew my ever living mind with this theory and being a history nerd, mm -hmm. is the freaking backgrounds of this enormous fantasy world mm -hmm. and how depth it is. Be like the, the fact to be like you, I like you are thrust into a world you don't understand. You're like most Ghibli films. You are kind of like gently walked into a, to a world where you are immersed into it. This one, you are just plunged right into it. And what I love is the actual, the architecture, the design of the world, because to me, it has this very much of a, uh, a fallen Roman empire mm -hmm. that has been taken over by um, the Islamic Taliban back in the, I want to say the 11th century, mm -hmm. back when Constantinople fell. But um, there again has this very much this ancient ruin uh, world feel like this world is falling apart in every fashion to form. Like everywhere you turn, there's nothing but ruin and decay. And uh, just the design of the world, the design of the, uh, the characters, I just love all this stuff. I just ate it up. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was it was probably my favorite part of this film was the the aesthetic, the world itself and the uh, the character design. It's very much a Ghibli film. But when you see aqueducts and you see like something that looks like the high of uh, the high of Sophia uh, with its uh, turrets after the uh, the caliphate took over. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I was like, oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. Be like, can I just get a shot of this in the background? And I'll be, I will put that on my my wall. Thank you very much. That is gorgeous. So yes, the backgrounds. I love it. <laughs> What's your number first first like? The art in general mm-hmm. in this film. Yeah. There is not a shot in mm-hmm. this film that is not absolutely gorgeous. There is some compositing issues, but that's those are minor yeah. for the most part. Yeah, true. Especially when they bring in where the digital stuff is. But bear in mind, this was 2006. This is true. It was a little, so little uh, new, new at the time. Fresh. That, that, that particular way of doing things. Very freshy fresh. But uh, the art in this thing is is beautiful. Every character design, every piece of uh, background, like you mm-hmm. said, whole sequences like. Oh, this is breathtakingly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm, my first like is the art. Okay. Uh, my second like, well, I, I first I put this one character on there. It's like you know what? the The only part I really enjoyed was the very end when you realize, oh, it's this actor who's doing it. Mm-hmm. And then you were going through the cast, and I was like, oh, I enjoy this character more. Cheech Marin. Yeah. <laughs> I love be like I'm, the character and his motivations are absolutely horrendous. Let's say that. Um, but as a character, every line like Cheech Marin chewed this microphone up so good. Every mm-hmm. like he's the comedic character throughout the entire film. But as a uh henchman to Cobb and the uh you know the evil tr- slave trader, oh my gosh, I love his character. Uh, strictly from a uh, characteristic standpoint, it is golden every single time. The the design of um, what's the character's name? Hare. Hare. I think is how you yeah, say it. Hare. Name. That's right. Yeah, Captain Hare is just just so well done. There again, the uh, medieval um, fallen world kind of design. This uh, cloaks and swords and mm-hmm. armor and the whole bit i i love his little helmet where it's literally comes down it's got a little visor on it i love that design it is so great uh and they're there again going into cheech marin cheech marin every time he's chewing the microphone up he is giving like you know a cheech marin performance like you said before in the opening where uh cheech marin was primarily known for like doing small roles and not very large roles well this- i mean Cheech and Chong is what, yeah, we know, is what he's primarily yeah. known for. Right, right. So yeah, in those films, he has a major role, but right. for the most part, in like the stuff that I normally see him in. Yeah, he's got more bit parts. It's more like, oh, it's the funny Mexican. Yeah. So it's the roles that now go to Gabriel Iglesias. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, I, I think of Gabriel Iglesias, no, Gabriel Iglesias, I got him on mind. Uh, Cheech Marin, I think of uh, Ghostbusters 2, his one little, uh, little little scene in New York when the Titanic comes back and it's like, ah, there, I can't even remember the line. I think it was like they're be like a little early, aren't they? Uh, a little late, maybe. A little late, maybe. That's right. But uh, yeah, like Cheech Marin, be like, I just loved his performance. It was great. It was wonderful. Uh, it was, it was, it was a delight to hear his performance and what he brought to the stage, or in this case, the uh, the microphone. Mm-hmm. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. My second like, while I do appreciate yours, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, uh, as I have gotten older and I've listened to this particular actor when he is in stuff, mm-hmm. granted, when I first heard, knew 
the first time I, I heard of this actor, uh, it was in a negative connotation because he plays, he's famous for playing a character that has been played by a lot of different actors. Okay. And he's one, one of the less liked actors. Oh, okay. In, the, in that role. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, to Pierce Brosnan, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I'm talking about Timothy Dalton. Yeah, Timothy Dalton. And uh, the thing is, I have I have yet to see either of those two films. I am strongly suspecting mm-hmm. Timothy Dalton's getting a lot more flack than he deserves for that because, good night, he is such a good, he is. strong voice actor, and you mm-hmm. can tell it here as Sparrowhawk. Yeah. Um, he's just so, he he's just got that kind of voice where it's like, it it's. It's like a a not quite as menacing Christopher Lee, Mm. if that makes sense. Makes sense. It's like that kind of tone and intonation, but Mm -hmm. you're not automatically thinking, okay, Saruman and uh, uh, Dooku. (laughs) The guy's name. Yes, Dooku. Saruman and Dooku and Dracula and every other villain from my, every other a horrible person horrible <laughs> villain from from my life is now speaking to me as a major character yeah and then you got this guy go he's got that kind of voice but it's still it's still kind of nicer if that makes sense yeah it's it's yeah i agree he he he's got that he's got that presence yeah and then and it's really what you need from a wizard character like this yeah. because this guy's basically gandalf yeah um, and he does such a good job with this role. Uh, having gone through the first book, which is mostly Sparrowhawk's uh, background mm-hmm. from when he first went into um, learning magic to, I, I assume it's when he, it's going to end when he, when he becomes Archmage, but I don't mm-hmm. know this for certain. Okay. Uh, I at least know how he got the scar. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is an interesting little tale. So but, uh, how how I'm twisting her? How did he get the scar? Uh, being a teenager and showing off in front of his buddies by using some magic he really shouldn't have. I thought he would gotten fighting with some kind of animal. It's like, it looks like a slash across his face. Well, it is a slash, and I'm trying to be a little. I'm trying not to spoil anything for anyone who might go through the book. Okay, but there he he summons something he really shouldn't have. Okay, I'll put it that way. Gotcha. Because he was showing off. Got, oh, he got into a fight. Oh, okay. That sort of thing. Oh, okay. Now I'm intrigued. Now I might want to. And it, yeah, yeah. It's it's a good. It's a, the story is very good. Uh, t- uh, a Wizard of Earthsea is the name of the first book. Okay, just curious. Be like, you're listening to audio or extra? I'm listening to audio. Okay, it's on Audible. Okay, but not, uh, not sponsored. We lovely we, we, sponsor. Actually, I, we might need to double check something because that one might be possible. Okay. <laughs> All right, good deal. But beside the point, <laughs> uh, the book is uh, Sparrowhawk is. Uh, I think Timothy Thumb does a very good job of of getting where that character is that this movie doesn't show you. Okay. Because if you were just taking Sparrowhawk here, it's like yeah, you could see he's a a serious character, but you have mm-hmm. no idea what is behind what, what, what his past is because he's supposed to be basically mysterious gandalf in this film because mm-hmm. he's not the main character of this film which is interesting considering sparrowhawk is the main character of the series from what yeah. i can tell yeah but um yeah it's i i enjoyed the uh i enjoyed timothy dalton's performance of sparrowhawk in this 
So uh, what's your third like? My third like would be William Defoe. Ah. Be like, there again, I wasn't the biggest fan of the character per se. I loved, once I started to realize this was actually William Defoe, and having primarily known William Defoe from his performance from the Spider-Man films, uh, Sam Raimi films, let's say that. And when I realized this was Sam, this was William Defoe, mm-hmm. I nearly lost my mind. I was, oh my gosh, this is William Defoe. Because I, I kept listening. I was like, when he's like getting really menacing and he's like divulging his you know his diabolical plan i was oh my gosh <laughs> i was like this is william defoe and it's like oh mm-hmm. that makes sense that makes total sense and uh i once i realized it was who it was it made me in more impressed they got william defoe to be this villain because they're again william defoe can be an extremely menacing actor. Yes. His vocal presence and the whole bit. And it was like when he's playing, he plays Cobb and it's like, Oh my gosh, this is a voice acting wise. It's incredible. So you have William Defoe as Cobb. I wouldn't say so much as Cobb as the character, but William Defoe's performance as Cobb. You stole my third. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with William Defoe as Cobb. Mm. Also, like you said, Cobb is not that good a villain no. for the most part. Right. Hare is much more interesting as as a as a villain. Uh but uh but Willem Dafoe does such a good job voicing this character. At first it was I was like, oh, they wasted Willem Dafoe on this because mm-hmm. especially near the beginning of the of the of the first scenes with Cobb going oh he's just gonna be this isn't really gonna work very well he's his, his slot he's he's got the slimy down don't get yeah. me wrong mm-hmm. but the slimy is not really fitting this character yeah. here which mm-hmm. is ironic considering about 10 minutes later and we see that he's pretty much made of slime <laughs> yeah and it's like okay okay i'm getting it now and and i, I i'm finally getting to the point it's like okay he's doing a juxtaposition type thing where he's playing this, but he's got to look like this because what he really is, is what not what he's showing off, which is doing Mm -hmm. such a good job of doing it. And it really shows, uh, it really gets to its best at the very end Mm -hmm. when, uh, you know, Oh yeah. He's starting to age and he's doing those. You, you can tell he's kind of knows what's going on, but kind of doesn't. He just doesn't care. And he's talking up like this. Oh no, I've killed the girl too bad. So sad. I can't do the rhymes. Justice. Yeah. Yeah. Sad, sad. So sad. sad, sad. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, Oh like, my oh, gosh. And I'm like, okay, something's going to have to happen to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. And it does. Yes. But, um, Oh, oh, flat, flat, flat. Yeah, <laughs> Willem Dafoe does such a good job uh-huh. with this role. It's it's actually kind of a shame that this is not as a better film. And Grant, it's a good film, but it's not yeah. as good as it could be. Yeah, that's the problem. And we'll get to and, and explain why we'll have to talk about our dislikes. So you go. Yeah, first. I got you. Unless you would rather I go. No, first. no, no. Be like, uh, so I just I, I kept thinking of Green Goblin, so I just wanted to bring up something. Um, wake up, little spider. 
You're not dead yet, just paralyzed. You're an amazing creature, Spider Man. You and I are not that different. <laughs> I was like, just William Dafoe as you know, Green Goblin, Norman Osborn, and you apply that at the very end of Cobb's the performance. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I was like, yes, bring it. <laughs> All right, my first is like, it seems there's no conclusion in this movie. <laughs> Let me, let me explain. There me, is a conclusion, but it's like the end of it, it. It there's more. It feels like there's more to it. Yeah, it feels like there's more to it. There, there's more of uh, Aaron is yeah. our, our main our main Prince character. Aaron. Yeah, Prince Aaron who kills his father because he's possessed by a spirit. <laughs> this is what it seems like. Yeah, it's it's like a dark spirit, and we we never see any conclusion where he is, uh, where he finally goes back to his father's kingdom. Uh, we don't really have a conclusion. Like, it's like it's it's an open ended story where we don't really have a, like a solid conclusion. Like, there should have been like a second part to it. Obviously, there never was. Um, so to me, it was more. But like, yeah, it ended with Aaron and our our, our now Dragon Girl, uh, like being friends. Like every Ghibli film, they're never yeah. like a romantic interest characters. They're just like really good friends. But um, but it's just like it, it left off on this very odd note. It's a good movie. Do not get me wrong. It was just like, can I get a solid conclusion? But like, yeah, our villain has been vanquished. But can I get more of like, like you know what happens to these characters? Nope. But well, I mean, it ends like it begins. Yeah, which is with no like in the middle of. Uh, of what's going on yeah it began like that where you're just kind of coming in and it's like it's telling you nothing about how it goes yeah and then it kind of ends it's like well we won't tell you how it ends either okay here here's a here's a here's a good comparison it's not that it doesn't tell an end of a story it hasn't have a good beginning of the story but the world is obviously continuing both sides and it's just comes in like that yeah so i i think of it like uh uh star wars um uh, uh, not revenge, but uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. But, like okay. you, you have this movie that is set in the middle of two films. It's a you know a second second act to a mm-hmm. three part trilogy, and like it starts off, it's like okay, be like okay, these characters are already established, and it ends with okay, we have no idea what's gonna happen. <laughs> but I'll be like, it's enjoyable, but I wish yeah. we had more conclusion to this. It feels like there should be another film attached to this, or at least there's more information given to us. So, and like you said, this is based off a what, like the third book? This is technically based off the third book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and suppose and Tanar, I know it's technically her, her story. She says she, he, yeah, Sherhawk rescued her from the tombs of Anak. Mm-hmm. The second book literally is. I think literally called the tombs of Anak. So okay. that happened like right before this. Okay. Um, and then this is technically the tape. The name comes from the fourth book, which is a collection of short stories. Okay. That are peppered throughout. That makes sense. Thing, which still makes you wonder, why'd you call this one tales from earth? See, there's only one tale here. True. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, I mentioned that this is probably one of the weakest Ghibli mm-hmm. films. Don't hear what I'm not saying. 
I'm not saying the film is bad. Yeah. I'm saying of all of the Studio Ghibli films, it's the weakest one. Mm. <laughs> it's the one that's... There has to be a film at the bottom. Yes. And this, for me, happens to be... It's either at the bottom or, like, right above the bottom. Mm. Uh, and part of that is every other Studio Ghibli film, at the very least gives you something tangible you already know to kind of attach yourself to. Got it. The closest one that doesn't do that might be uh, Princess Mononoke because it actually starts with uh, the demon, them, them fighting the demon. Yeah. But it very quickly gets past that point to when you're just watching him on his journey. So this film does not give you that. Okay. It starts... And it's weird. All I say weird. It's another world all the way through. There's nothing that really you can connect quickly to, except for fantasy tropes. Yes. Now, I say that I was able to keep up pretty quick, but that yeah. is one of the downsides. Here is they like the first line yeah. in this film. Mm -hmm. Actually, maybe the second or third, but it's in the first scene. Okay. They get the the it's on the ship and that and the uh, captain of the ship calls up the weather wizard. Yeah. Hey, well, on earth is a weather wizard, but you know <laughs> you kind you kind you kind of can figure out what that is. Yeah. Calls him up to the deck to stop the rain from coming or yeah. calm the waves or what have you. And all of a sudden, you could see the terror in the weather wizard's eyes because I've forgotten the names of the waves. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. I kind of knew what that was going on, why mm -hmm. that was necessary. But if you are not a, if, you, if you're not a fantasy uh, yeah. connoisseur and not have had to deal with magic systems mm -hmm. and trying to figure that out, you're going, what do you mean? What's the name of the waves? They're waves. Yeah. This is a traditional magic system that is present in a lot of different things where names give power. Yes. The fact that names have power does not come up again until what halfway through the film? Yeah. When true. Cobb finally convinces uh Aaron. Aaron to tell him his true name. Mm -hmm. If you didn't catch that at the beginning, you didn't catch that part right there, mm -hmm. you have no idea why the him being him telling his true name is important. Yeah. That's true. You just think, oh, well, maybe he wasn't traveling under his true name because uh because then people would know, oh, this is the prince that killed his father. Yeah. Except then you have to remember, oh, no, no, he was being called Prince Aaron mm -hmm. at the castle. Yes. So that can't be it. What, what is this deal with this true name? And then she, and then uh, she ends up telling him her true name later on. You're going, you kind of mm -hmm. can tell there's something more there, but it doesn't give you anything True. on why this is a big deal. Why telling... Cobb, his true name, let Cobb take control of Aaron. True. It doesn't tell you that. He, it implies a lot. Yeah. And granted, I kind of knew, I kind of was able to catch on to this, mm -hmm. but it's only because, A, I think I've read uh, some other, like, I think there's a Tolkien book that, yeah. that deals with uh, the power of names and such. Mm -hmm. and I think, and I read that way back in high school, which, or junior high, which was the wrong time for. <laughs> to be reading this especially when it was abridged <laughs> um 
but it doesn't it, it, it's minutia like that that this film doesn't give you you you're barely you can kind of tell when they get to the Hajda dealer that oh that's a that's a drug because it's kind of obviously being sold explicitly yeah but I don't know there's a lot of stuff in here where it's like you're you're expected to it expects you to grab a hold and hang on for a, for for this stuff don't get me wrong I'm that's that's something I do think you should be able to do but mm-hmm. it is weird for a Studio Ghibli film to not give you anything tangible about the universe other than we're walking and that's pretty much and, and, until they get to to the farming stuff on uh, Teru's farm that's about it i mean it, this gives you nothing to help ease you in it just drops you in. i know that's one of the things you liked about it yeah is that it just dropped you into the universe yes and you had to swim mm-hmm. but that is in my opinion if you if you don't pick up in a hurry mm-hmm. you are left to drown for the rest of the film that is true that is the downside here and i think that's really where this film suffers is if you missed anything in that opening yeah you're lost mm-hmm. and Agreed. you're drowning and not able to to, to tread water mm-hmm. in this film and that is so odd for a for a ghibli film so yeah that's my first dislike is there's nothing to hold on to at the beginning of this film i gotcha that you don't already know what it is yeah which is odd for a Ghibli film, yeah. Also, I I do like your uh, the uh, the analogy be like being dropped into a world, yeah. And you're you don't have a life preserver. You just you got to figure things out. And I have you're, you're not throwing a line. I have nothing against being dropped into a world, yeah. But you gotta throw me the preserver fairly quick so that True. I don't get so we don't drown. That's just something I prefer in a film. Fair. I should not have had to read the books before to know yeah. what half this stuff they're referring to is. Yeah. Granted, I should be able to say, oh, dragons are fighting in the sky, and that's what's causing the weather. That would be fine. Then don't call the weather wizard up and yeah. give me this information. It's like where I don't know what that means. Yeah. But granted, how else do you bring in the thing about the power of names? Because that's something everyone in this world is going to know. Yeah. So you have no, you don't have the, pardon the, uh, Thing, but you don't have the jubilee to ask the stupid questions sure. so that we can find out what the answers are right right this right, is right. not a film where we can have that with with parts of this so yes. anyway yes my second dislike uh there again this came out of nowhere it was like what in the world but it's uh oh i have her name uh theor how do you pronounce uh, it Teru? Yeah, Teru. Yeah, Teru's transformation. I was like, okay, here's the here's the villain. The villain's got the upper hand. Uh Prince Aaron is like he's hanging by on by a thread, and here comes Teru. Yeah. Here comes Dragon X Machina. Yeah, exactly. Dragon <laughs> X Machina. That's the title. That's the title. Dragon X Machina <laughs> is definitely the title <laughs> on this review. Yes. <laughs> Dragon. I am writing that down. Good. Deus Six Dragon. <laughs> Dragon X Machida. Dragon X Machida. Uh, uh, but yeah, Teru just just pops into a dragon form, and it, like uh, Cobb is like, "Oh my!" <laughs> it's like <laughs> she turns this enormous dragon. You don't see the transformation, which I thought would have been freaking amazing if they did. Well, they kind of did it, but it was a very much a anime transformation. That is true. 
That is true. So it's like the only thing you need that would that would have made it worse. I say worse. That would have given us more is like if it was like a Sailor Moon magical girl. That's what I kept thinking. Because technically, she's a magical girl. <laughs> that is true. She turns into a freaking dragon. But anyway, Dragon Age Machina. Dragon Age Machina. Um. But oh my, it's it just came out of nowhere. I was like, okay, we get context, but like she was abused by her parents. Uh, very cruelly, um, and then she she was raised by uh, how do you pronounce her name? Uh, Tamor Tanar Tanar, uh, raised by Tanar, and uh, there's real we really don't get. I, I wish they would have like hinted at something like they kind of hint that she's kind of special, but there again, like you said, like in the books we understand like this and this and this uh, about Tayru Te- not Tayru. Well, I mean, I said I've actually come across in what I've read so far. Yeah, uh, I've come across dragons, and they're not presented with the same mythology. Hmm. So I don't know how much I don't. I, I'm getting the feeling that this is not even a good adaptation of the universe hmm. that it's coming from. It's taking a lot of elements with this, like, oh, we need dragons to show up. Okay. Okay. Why does the dragon? That will be my second dislike. Continue. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's Teru's transformation to a dragon, and we have no explanation why. If, if they would give us some kind of like drop little breadcrumbs here and there about dragons, because we all we see is a like we two dragons, two dragons at the fighting, fighting, and we're and they talk, they say something along the lines of drag seeing dragons this close to man. That's that's dangerous. That means mm-hmm. the world is getting out of balance. There's another issue, but mm. true. And also, what, what, is, what does balance mean? The movie never tells you what they're talking about with well, balance. Well, if 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 I'm remembering this correctly, they're going to only watch the movie once. Fair enough. Where it's the uh, one of uh, the king's mages or whatever is talking about, like you know, humanity went went one way, and another part of humanity went away, and they became dragons yeah. or something like that. But I could see that, but at the same time, be like. Can we get a little more explanation why Teru becomes a dragon? And I really wish they would have. But it's just like, okay, Dragon X Machina shows up, kills the villain. Move over your movie over. So here's theory. Okay. All this is. She was always a dragon. Yeah. So she's the kind of dragon that can turn into a human. Yeah. So in order to stay undercover so she doesn't get attacked by, I'm assuming, her abusive family. And to camouflage herself among the humans, she stays human most of the time. Hmm. Interesting theory, a uh, podcast theory, but uh, I would I would probably counter that 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 theory. It's a good theory. The only problem is she doesn't even realize she's actually a dragon. I, I think it's more be like she has this she, she has this hidden ability she doesn't even know about until maybe. her power is unleashed, and then she becomes a dragon. I would like to point out whether you're correct. Or whether I'm correct, it's all theory because the movie doesn't really tell us. You're not kidding. There is no hint at all. Yes, that she is a dragon until. Wait, why is she standing up? She should be dead. Yeah, exactly. And then her, and then you get the whole, uh, the little hair ties on her. You know. Yeah, that thing. Rubbers. They, they disappeared and, off. and she's obviously going super saiyan. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking. <laughs> she goes, like, oh crap. Like, oh. 
She's still alive. Why is she still alive? Oh, oh she's a dragon. She must be more powerful. Wait. What? Why? <laughs> Forget it. You pretty much got what got your light this like out before I because mine's gonna jump right off of this. Okay, my, my my first thought was like, okay, she's gonna turn to uh oh crap, what's the dragon from Dragon Ball Z? Shinron. Shinron, she turns into Shinron. Well, except that's an eastern style dragon. I know nuance. This is a western style uh fantasy source so it's got to be western dragon except it's not even <laughs> anyway anyways the, what, what is your second dislike so how did she survive <laughs> she's a dragon <laughs> and dragon why is are, machina why are dragon dragons are immortal apparently yeah apparently they're immortal but they, they have eternal they have, life but they have kids right I would think so. And they haven't taken over the whole world? Uh, I don't know. They, again, we don't know this. About the we have no, have no information. The, the movie tells us nothing about dragons. Why does the dragon have eternal life? And then she, she has that one line. She says, I have life so I can give it to another. Huh? What? <laughs> you have? He's alive. Yeah, he's depressed. And you, if you can call that living. But... It's living to an extent. That does not make, make sense. <laughs> Maybe I am just. Hey, we both only had one viewing of the film. Yes. We could have missed something. Yeah. But yeah, I have no idea why Dragon Girl survived being attacked by Willem Dafoe. Dragon X Machina. That's what it comes that, down that's to. It's Dragon X thing. Machina. That's that's the problem here. It's Dragon X Machina. <laughs> it, it just comes out of nowhere. It is literally a Deus Ex Machina, Machina. style ending. There's yeah. nothing that tells you this is coming. There is no. It's the way it's presented. It's like she's dead. That's the end. Mm -hmm. Everyone's every, like, Sparrowhawk and the other girl. They're going or Teru. They're not Teru. Uh, Tanar. Tanar. They're going to die. Forget the fact that Sparrowhawk should have protagonist should have protagonist armor, considering he's the main character of the franchise, and there's more books after this. Or after the book that this one's based on. Yes. Because I have a strong suspicion I'm gonna get to book three and it's gonna tell this story, and it's not gonna it, it's it's gonna be wow, I could definitely see what they changed with this film. <laughs> I'm gonna read from our comments. The dragons meet Jesus eternal life. <laughs> If only. Yeah, if only. Thank you, David. Uh, yeah, it's like like you said, be like it is Dragon Day uh, Dragon X Machida, and it is it comes out of nowhere. It's like, okay, that's it, movie over. And then she just pops out of nowhere, goes super saiyan dragon on everybody, and just kills the villain. <laughs> like, that's it. Okay. And then they say, Oh, I'm gonna go back to my hometown. And repent for what I've done. And you're thinking, okay, you're leaving this? No, no, we're going to spend another month here working the farm. Just so you have stuff to put on the end credits? Is that why? Yeah. Anyway. I, I, it's like, I kept thinking, it was like, okay, Aaron just wants to get close to his dragon friend. That's what it is. They're <laughs> yeah. in love. They're in love. They're going to have little. Yeah. The, oh, gosh. We have <laughs> Prince and Princess Dragons. Considering. <laughs> considering that for most of this film prince aaron is acting like a donkey <laughs> we have the studio ghibli version of shrek
And tomorrow, I'm going to eat the waffles. I'm just saying, <laughs> if somebody has time on their hands and is good at editing, <laughs> I want <laughs> some lines from Shrek from Donkey <laughs> in Prince Aaron's mouth, please. <laughs> mm. With with Sparrowhawk as Shrek. <laughs> Oh gosh. Uh, oh my gosh. So, so what is my third? Yeah, what is your third dislike? Okay, let me get there. All right. So my third dislike would be uh Cobb. Cobb, 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 Cobb. Uh he is a kind of a mediocre villain. It's like, yeah, he he sits in his ivory tower and be like, yeah, uh Cheech Marin character does everything. He's just like, be like, ooh, like he's an evil wizard. And uh, when we finally meet him, he turns into goo. It's like, I am past immortality. <laughs> I'm a big villain. Oh, I'm going to give him a big monologue of how evil I am. I'm going to do this. And then he becomes uh, uh, goo char from Dragon X Machida. <laughs> And Dude, that's what <laughs> goo char goo char because he gets burned. Okay, that was the first thing came my goo char because he turns into goo. Anyway, yes. Uh, so I mean, like, I, I don't find uh Cobb our evil villain not so much villainous because he doesn't really do anything villainy. Like, yeah, he he kidnaps some people, which is terrible. Uh, to to get Sparrowhawk to you know come to him, which okay, Grant, that's pretty evil, but he he doesn't do. I think of um, uh, because we were reviewed it. We reviewed um, the Black Cauldron. We've already reviewed yes. that, and uh, I think of the uh, the Horn King, the Horn yeah. King of that character. Horn King is literally the character I was thinking of when uh-huh. you were describing Cobb. Yeah, it's the same thing. Be like, he's just the villain that sits in the background. Yeah. Doesn't do anything until the very end of the film. And it's kind of lackluster in a way. Like, yeah, he, well, he shows off his power a Palpatine lot. Palpatine in the original Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, he, he literally does there and sends everyone else out to do his dirty work and finally does something at the end. Yeah. And that's why I don't like him like I like Darth Vader. Uh, that's true. And he ends kind of like uh, Palpatine. Yes. Except not being thrown down a shaft, he gets burned up and he falls. And thankfully, Hare, being this version, this movie's version of Darth Vader, yeah. does not end up being Aaron's dad. Thankfully. Yeah, that would be yeah, our mother in this case. Hare. Hare. Is it is Cheech Marin. Oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Granted, I know why you said that, because we have done something. It sounds like Haru, yeah. which is a girl Japanese name. Yeah, it's Haru. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, anyways. Yes, be like our, our, our la- what kind of like the very typical villain who doesn't do anything. He's too powerful, so he gets his henchmen to do it. Mm-hmm. The henchmen are more interesting than our main villain. And he comes in like, ha, 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 I'm going to do this. Ha, 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 Oh, I'm going to take over the world. Ha, ha. Oh, I'm burning. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> And he's goo. That's about yep. it. <laughs> Pretty much. Dragon X Makita. I'm goo and I'm burned. I'm more gooier because I got mm-hmm. became charrier or whatever. Okay. <laughs> what is your third dislike? 
my third dislike for this film is wow is it slow it's a it's it's, it's a it's drudge. not meant to be a fast film no don't get no, me no. wrong it's, it's building and, the world and it's, it's building the world it's trying to give it an epic feel mm-hmm. and it's that's fine but good night it seems like for the first hour very little happens yeah agreed that pushes the story along it's a lot of existing in this world now granted that's something that ghibli is very good about because you look at stuff like uh my neighbor totoro Mm -hmm. which so much of that film the stuff that's happening is just there for Mm -hmm. letting you live in this world for a bit yeah and that's true of a lot of of these films but you get to this one and it's it starts off with like dragons and balance and regicide Mm -hmm. and then you're like thrown out there into the desert there where he's going to meet Sparrowhawk and you're like he's fighting the wolves and Sparrowhawk saves him and then it's like and now we're going to slowly go elsewhere and this kid's going to go off and do things he shouldn't have because he was disobeying and granted if when uh, if uh, Retro ever does this film i un- i will completely agree with francisco <laughs> about uh kids get a uh disobeying their parents disobe- diso- uh, disobedient kids <laughs> if this kid would have just done what sparrowhawk said he would have been a lot he would have been a lot better off than he was but that's a teenage character that's what they do they don't no, listen he was to rebelling i yeah, get that. exactly but so little happens, and when things do happen, they seem to have no explanation for why they're happening. We don't know why he killed his father in the beginning of the film. the the only re- The only explanation we're really given is that his that his uh, his uh, either it's his evil side or it's this dark entity that's following him, and he can't control it. Well, and, and that dark entity thing is a thing from the universe because there is like somehow he got depression can result in like yeah possession yeah to some degree which is kind of what happens with Cobb and all that with with and how he g- goes with that but it's if you are just going into this film with like no knowledge yeah of what this is it tells you nothing you get no explanation as to why he did it other than i don't know why i killed my father i didn't want to but i mm-hmm. did I felt compelled. I felt compelled. It's like, then why did you kill him and then run away? What was your, there wasn't, I understand he doesn't know why he did it. But we're never given an explanation as to why he did it. Uh, If it had been something that he was somehow compelled to do because of a, a, he got a, a spell cast on him or somehow maybe Cobb was already manipulating him to come to him somehow i don't know exact things here i'm just kind of yeah because that guessing. actually that actually kind of makes more sense that Cobb would have some control over this this right. dark entity it's too it, it's yeah. a different country and it would yeah. it was still going to be probably what a month's travel at most at, at the shortest oh that, that from their kingdom to Horsetown. yeah 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 I, I think it would have been a really interesting there again be like i've read far enough away the kids su- surprise that slavery is a thing 
Yeah. The 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 thing I thought would have been really interesting if you had a cop and like pulling the strings the entire time. Yeah. That, you know, that he like he's been manipulating the prince and that, that like, would ca- yeah. cause him to murder the murder his father and he doesn't understand why. Brand, and you I, get this dark entity that's following him. It's Cobb the entire time. Brand, but, we're supposed to get the idea that what Cobb has been doing is what's caused the world to get out of balance and all yeah. that. And doing that allowed the kid to get depressed possessed Mm -hmm. uh somehow but Mm -hmm. i mean that seems like it was almost chance it was not someone manipulating events in their favor yes which is what that kind of villain needs to be Mm -hmm. yes he's an he's opportunistic and yes it's a fantasy thing where he's not going to control the whole world this is not Mm -hmm. a jrpg true (laughs) this is but it's like give me more reason for why the kid did this and hook it back into our villain yeah would it have felt contrived maybe maybe but still that would give me more of a a feeling of how powerful Cobb is supposed to be other than he rules this one town he somehow he's learned because of hare that's a kid with a magic sword because it's basically all it knows is in town and he's hanging out with Sparrowhawk, the Archmage. Yes. So there's more going on here, and I can get kind of why it's like this. This is this is really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. What because there's so little explanation for some things, and they mm-hmm. didn't couldn't you didn't use those a, a they didn't make an explanation that hooked back into the villain. Right. The villain becomes less and less villainous yes in such a way which makes the ending when she goes dragon x machina feel Mm -hmm. like did you really think the end of this story through yeah to to bring everything forward it's like i said it's not a bad film but it's like this these things it's like if you'd have done this you could have tightened this up and made a a coherent story I guess that's really what it comes down to is this story does not feel coherent. Yeah. Agreed. And that's what, and that's what it comes down to. So yeah, I'm going to go with my third dislike is the incoherency of the story. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So we need to rate this. Thing. Yeah. So what did you rate? Giving it a 6.5. Oh, okay. Like I said, I feel this is the weakest film of the studio Ghibli library. Yeah. Uh, with ocean waves literally being right above it mm. ocean waves i just thought was boring. you mean below it no above it okay. i actually considering this below ocean waves oh whoa okay and i'm gonna explain why okay ocean waves was just boring okay yeah. for the most part and then had an ending that pissed me off fair this is it's got it's so good in other places that where it drops the ball mm-hmm. is it makes it it makes it feel that much worse Mm. it's like because i actually do like these characters but for the most part these characters don't do anything Mm -hmm. i feel like i should they i should be be, right it just it's what's the word i'm looking for not i say drop i said drop the ball earlier but uh, um it's another phrase it doesn't hit the mark maybe it's it's like 
it's it's like they they had all of the ingredients yes. for a great film, and you can taste every single one of those ingredients. Yeah, but when they got to the baking, yeah, they had the temperature wrong. It got burnt, and because it had so good high points, the fact that it yeah. doesn't measure up to what it should be, yeah, makes it that much worse, or it's slightly undercooked. Right. Under it's bank. like it smells good. It looks good. good. It should be yeah. delicious. Yeah. And you bite into it and it's like, okay, some of this is overcooked. Some of this is undercooked. Mm -hmm. I don't want to finish this. Hmm. And since I, this did actually make me go and pick up the book or get the book on Audible, mm -hmm. and I've been going through through the first book in the franchise or the series, and I'm seeing how well Ursula K. Le Guin has built this universe. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow. It's like, why did, how did Goro, how did you screw this up? Right. Granted, I, from what I understand, this is a hard universe to really get, to really adapt mm -hmm. because, and I can see why with like how the magic system is deeply enrooted in everyday life with the fact that, you have a name you can't give to other people, mm -hmm. which is your true name. You have to give them a spoken name. So everyone has two names mm -hmm. and you have to explain why, because the, the, the true name thing is going to come up. True. How do you adapt that in a two hour film mm -hmm. to where it makes sense here? They kind of did it. And, but the thing is they kind of didn't do it because everybody and their dog, knows how this works because it affects everybody true there's never a person who's going to be not know what any of that means true the only way you can do that is to have somebody isekai into this world yeah you're not kidding and that would change everything it would so yeah i think this is probably they goro miyazaki probably did the best he could but you can tell it's his first outing yeah and he made a couple mistakes. Right. And it could have been better. I, I, I know he directed a couple others that uh, that are after this. And I don't remember which ones. I think Arietti might be the next mm. one he did, which we are doing this month. But uh, this one is like, yeah, he made some poor decisions here. And admittedly, this was probably not the first thing. This is probably not a good thing to start with. Okay. Fair. If you're in, in, if you're directing a film, you probably sh you. And admittedly, uh, Hayao Miyazaki he started with Lupin the Third, but everyone knew what that was yes. in Japan at the time. You go into this, there's people who hear, "Oh, Tales from Earthsea, what's that? Oh, cool, it's got a dragon on the cover. Mm -hmm. That'll be fun." And it's a complex world. It's a mm -hmm. complex story, and then you kind of tell it in like the shout simplest way possible, which doesn't tell you, you can see there are hints of richness in the world. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that apparently there are some aspects of this that are not in the book that are adapted from his dad's ma manga that he wrote did years ago. Mm -hmm. And now I'm wondering, okay, which of this is, uh, is uh, Miyazaki and which one of this is Le Guin? I don't know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 6.5. Okay. It's undercooked. 
Okay. And, and it's undercooked in places and overcooked in others. I agree. I agree. Uh, I'm going to give it a little higher. It's a seven for me. Okay. Uh, I enjoy there again. It's me. It's a uh, studio Ghibli film. So obviously you're going to get great animation. Mm-hmm. You have beautiful like design. You have beautiful backgrounds, which is like, ah, oh, just give me one of those backgrounds, make it a matte painting, put it in a frame, put it in the house. I will love it. And explaining to anybody who wants to know. But uh, I, I agree. Be like, yeah, the, the story is a little undercooked because we don't have all the context. We don't have the information we need to fully understand. We have the Dragon X Machida season, scene, which throws you for the biggest loop in the planet. But like, if we would have had more understanding, more grounding to understand why this happens and why this and why this, I think the movie would have been far better. We would have had a greater understanding of the film. Mm-hmm. But as it is, I think if we're just going on the the animation which studio ghibli does far like we've seen films that do higher uh oh what was the i'm trying to think of the uh the the series which i'm just oh my gosh well like weathering with you yeah yeah like different talk about sauce but you're talking with like greater like atmospheric and background whatever but this is a jib you know ghibli being ghibli uh, I I can't give the movie anything less than a like a seven because it's just a beautiful film. Be like it does have its flaws in a story that needed mm-hmm. to have a little more time, maybe a little more in the oven. Uh, giving using your analogy, but overall, be like I enjoyed it. I think it's a film I probably would go back and rewatch. Uh, I actually just downloaded the first book of the the book series on yeah, kind of your recommendation. So I've got about an hour left on it. So. Oh, okay, so. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'd be like, the, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, it's a seven. It's not like you said. It's a little undercooked in some parts. Maybe a little overcooked, but I enjoyed it. So I enjoyed it tremendously. Well, on that note, we're gonna that finishes our review of mm-hmm. this film. Next week, yes, we are going back to Hayao Miyazaki mm-hmm. with his book based on the classic Hans Christian Andersen's tale of the little mermaid though. That is a very loose, yeah. loose basis. Yes. We are looking at Ponyo. So Ponyo. Uh, everybody get your ham together to give to the, give to the water girl. Uh, <laughs> have you seen Ponyo? No, I have You have no idea why I'm bringing up ham. Do you? No, I don't because I, well, when the movie was coming out, I, I saw when the, uh, Ponyo likes ham. Yeah, so when <laughs> Disney was doing the uh, the dub, it was like, wait a minute, they're using who for this character and who for this character? Oh, yeah, <laughs> because we do have Liam Neeson as <laughs> kind of the villain. <laughs> I, this was another one of those where there's not really a villain, but there is an antagonist. Yeah, and they, they use a, uh, a a young Cyrus and they use a young Jonas in this movie. Uh-huh. yeah which i was like okay that's interesting yeah so yeah, you'll, we, you'll, you'll find out what we're talking about later if you yeah. don't know already and this would actually and fun fact ponyo is the first studio ghibli film i got to see in theaters really yeah that's interesting because that was after i finally had seen some other, when it was coming out yeah i'd finally gone and seen some things that i was you know the first ghibli film i saw was spirited away but i wasn't <laughs> Yeah, too hip on it, and then I went and watched a couple others. You know, Mononoke. Yeah, uh, Porco Rosso. Yeah, Kiki. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, oh yeah, Kiki. sure, I'll go watch this. And 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 Hayao Miyazaki, you know, the new 
Hayao Miyazaki's new film is going to be in theaters. Like, oh, it's actually going to be within a hundred miles of me. It's actually in Tyler. <laughs> Granted, I have no idea if it was if any of the others showed in theaters yeah. that were close enough. But I went and watched this one. So this was the first one I got to see in theaters. And let's just say uh, this may not be my favorite one either. Okay, so this is gonna be an interesting month. I, I, I'm not saying it's bad. No, no, no I know that. I'm saying. This may not be living up to expectations. Mm. Either way, join us on the other side of the bumpers. We'll be talking about news, what we've been watching, X-Men. Mm-hmm. X-Men. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Which, boy, this up these episodes of X-Men. The one of these is one of the ones I have pleasant memories of. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a minute. Yes. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest listening to the Retro Rewind podcast. On the Retro Rewind podcast, every other week, you can join them as they travel back 15 or more years along the entertainment space-time continuum in their mission to review movies and games, establishing what is still worth your time today. Expect fun banter and trivial insights from Francisco, Paul, and a rotating series of guest hosts who are all out of time. The Cellcast would also like to thank the following patrons, Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com and Edwin Gonzalez. If you want your name shouted out on the show, special art from Jacob, and uncut episodes of the Cellcast, please donate to us on Patreon. So, Jacob, I have a question for you. What have you been watching? A whole lot of nothing. Still? I've it's been. been a, well, he admittedly. Yeah, with my issue. <laughs> It's been a very, it's been stressful. I'm surprised, actually, you got, we were able to get that artwork to me under your, under the current well, stress level. I, I would not say stressful because I really wasn't stressed about it because it was like, okay, get this done, get this done. And it's like, okay, this is going to be delayed until this time. Uh, but it was more just having to store things away in the whole yeah. bit. But uh, I, I did get a chance to, um, like I told you guys yesterday, about uh they released the final Beatles song yes now and then and uh it's great if you haven't listened to it go go listen to it uh wherever you uh listen to music uh really wonderful it's really touching and uh so while I was waiting uh I got my notes done the whole bit and uh I was looking on uh Disney Plus and they have the music video for it and mm-hmm. I was like wow this is really cool because they they took different foot uh, footage and spliced it together where it's all the be- all the Beatles are together and it's really well done. And uh, so I got done with that. It was like a four minute video and they're going to go listen to this. It's great because they're going to be like this apparently is the last uh, song from the Beatles as a group. Um, and, you know, speaking of the Beatles, um, there was a documentary that Peter Jackson had done. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was like last year, the year before that, and uh, called Get Back the Beatles. Yeah. And apparently it was the behind the scenes of the Beatles were together for like a month 
for like a like a week or so together, and they were like exploring, making new music, and getting getting ready for a a, a live performance. And it's just them, you know, creating music. And apparently, at one point, George Harrison apparently just quit in the middle of everything. He's like, "Well, I'm going for I'm going for lunch," and he went home. And it, in his diary, he said, "I quit the Beatles." I was like, "Okay, we know he's coming back. I know that." Uh, but I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was really cool. And like, I, like, again, it wasn't really much of a stressful week because, uh, stress was more like work and the whole wow. bit, but home was more just great, except for just learning people, you know, who passed away. And, uh, then you have Matthew Perry passing away all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like friends was like, the the Friday night show or Thursday night show, you just watch the family, and uh, to learn like one of those actors passed away was kind of sad. The sad to hear, uh, but other than that, well, your family watched Friends. Yeah, my family watched Friends. My family did not. Ah, uh, so I don't care. Okay, yeah, I feel bad for the guy. Don't get me wrong. I yeah. understand it's big, but I had a, his name when his, when his name popped up earlier this week on the yeah. internet. I'm going who. Mm. I don't know him. Ah, because I didn't watch Friends. Oh, okay. I, I I have several friends, and my sister-in-law be like, "What? You didn't watch Friends? What kind of person are you?" No, <laughs> I did not watch Friends. Huh. I've not seen an episode, and I've never felt a need to watch. Ah, it. okay. So, say lovey. Yeah, exactly. But a hey, be like a. Hey, anyways, I don't know how to come back from that. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I've been watching. Uh, I've listened to uh, like morning podcasts, get right in the morning. Uh, yeah, sleeping in an air mattress for the last week has been interesting. Let's say that. I imagine. Yeah, so I'm be sleeping on an air mattress for another two weeks. You'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. But anyway, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's against my will. <laughs> Rune Night, I believe, is the name of that show. <laughs> Yes, that we haven't watched in a year, but yet that line is so freaking funny. Oh, it comes up so often. So kind of a funny story. So we went to the viewing of someone like we both know who passed away. Yeah, yeah. And uh, me, my fiance and her her mother went and uh, I actually ran into a friend of ours, Chase, and uh, we're just catching up the whole bit. And uh, we're just talking, talk to you know, these are the first or second line of you like, it's like, yeah, it's against my will. And we just bust out laughing. Yeah. <laughs> we watched that. We didn't watch that. But it was just a great time uh, catching up with Chase there. But um, yeah. So what, I've so what have you been watching, <laughs> listening to, playing? And well, uh, I've been listening, as we've said earlier yes. today, a lot. Uh, I've been wa- working my way through Tale of Earthsea and Tale of Earthsea. Uh, Wizard of Earthsea. Yes. Uh, I've got about an hour left, and maybe he will defeat this evil. Maybe he won't. I'm assuming he doesn't. There's more books. Uh, <laughs> or it's just going to follow him for the rest of eternity. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But um, I, 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 I've been listening to that. Mm. Uh, I've been playing 14. They just released a event in collaboration with the game Fall Guys. Okay. I have been playing that a lot. I played it on stream, even though... I don't think anyone watched me on stream, but oh, well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I did that Tuesday and then. 
watched Spy Family last Saturday. That show is getting good. In fact, we are finally getting to some more. Uh, I say, I say, we're finally getting to more some more story. We finally get into some more long form story where it's not going to uh, be these little half episodes where yeah. we're getting to know characters and letting some character growth go here and there. Don't get me wrong, I like that stuff too. But yeah, I'm ready to sink my teeth back into spy spying stuff where it's the main point of the show. You know yeah. what I mean? Yes. And Spy Family is just so good, guys. I can't talk it up enough, okay? <laughs> the only reason it is not on the list for animated series so far. Because we have other shows to watch first? <laughs> that. And even though after Evangelion, it's not directly on my list. Yeah. A good portion of that is because, A, I don't have a good way to get you to watch it. Because it's only on Crunchyroll, and I don't yeah. think you have Crunchyroll. No, I don't have Crunchyroll. So there's that little hiccup. Yeah. And B, it, there is a, there are Blu-rays, but I hadn't bought them yet. And there's I think they've only released part one of season fair. one. Fair. So, fair. 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 Uh, and and then the fact is like, well, this looks like it might be a show that's going on for a while. Yeah. And while I'm fine doing this every once in a while with like lower decks and such like that. Yeah. This is something it's like, eh, we might want to wait on this a little while longer till yeah. we can kind of go through the whole thing. Right. So that's kind of where the wait is there. But this is a show I really want to talk about with okay. people. I could had a way just to get you to t- watch just so we could talk about it. Okay. <laughs> but even if it was not on the stream. We'll, we'll it talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. But yeah, it's not, this is, it, it's, it's not going to be on the review anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, so uh, also I watched... 2022's uh the monsters by rob zombie of all people (laughs) oh really here's the thing i watched the monsters as a kid growing up yeah and when i heard rob zombie was making a film based on this franchise i'm thinking who let him (laughs) because it's like how this is rob zombie this guy makes horror films right how is he going to make a sitcom that happens to feature monsters where it's not going to be like the horror, horror and rednecks, the horror version of of, tre- of, fan- of Fantasy Island, right? That they that came out what was that twenty twenty one something like that. And it's like Fantasy Island is not horror. Horror, it's kind of lighthearted. Yes, there's it's a Twilight Zone on an island, but still, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I'm expecting something like that. I go into this and it's like, well, it's not the worst monsters film okay there's a couple others that are pretty bad <laughs> for a prequel this is half decent i granted it's cheesy yeah beyond belief gotcha. but it's strangely in line with the original show so okay i can kind of work with it i've i've i heard really really bad reviews it, it, because it, everyone was like oh my gosh rod zombie doing this like same reaction you had it leans into the campiness maybe more than it should okay it doesn't play the camp straight mm. you know what i mean yes uh it kind of it's got a lot of winking at the camera gotcha and that's probably the, the biggest downside to the film but it's wasn't horrible okay it, it felt like i knew what he was pulling from i thought the characters were like on par on, on par uh, they were right where they were supposed to be but the writing was just had 
left a little bit to be desired for the most part because the monsters is supposed to be somewhat of a fish out of water story. I got you. And they don't get to 1313 Mockingbird Lane until like the last act. Really? Yeah. Huh. It takes place mostly in Transylvania. Okay. Which is to them was like normal. Okay. So anyway, it's not a bad film, but it's not like the, it, not as good as it could have been. Okay. And Sunday, I forced Chase to watch like a couple episodes of Gravity Falls. <laughs> I love Gravity Falls. Uh, On your recommendation, obviously. Yeah. yeah uh, probably we haven't discussed this. It, Gravity Falls was on the vote. Yes, with Batman. We, with, well, the original vote, of course, was well, actually it was Batman, but then we both discussed it. Mm -hmm. I, I, even though I suggested that we do to X Men, do it, change, switch that to X Men because of that's right. Uh, we thought X Men '97 was coming out this year. Yeah, well, that's what we thought, and <laughs> it's it's still Paul. coming out uh, soon. Is yeah, all we know from business. next year, probably. Hopefully, uh, but it, either way, we I, I really felt like we should get through all of X Men before X Men, the new X Men. Yeah, we're out. gonna be done <laughs> for the, the year. Which I think we both agreed that was a good idea. Yeah, agreed. and the other ones we had on there was Lower Deck season two and three. Yeah, and uh, then Evangelion. Well, we did all those three. We haven't discussed if we should just go ahead and do Gravity Falls since Gravity Falls got zero votes in that poll. But at the same time, it's like we want we, we may let y'all vote next time. I don't know. Maybe we maybe. haven't discussed it, so I yeah, don't know we if we're just gonna eschew the vote after Evangelion and do uh, Gravity Falls or not. But I kind of want to. <laughs> yeah, let's just. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely say be like ever since we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we, have, we still have to, we have two months. We have two months to make we'll a talk. decision on this. So because it's like February or March, something February, like, February when Evangelion is going to be finished. February. So jeez, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a rough let me put it this way. I've already been playing with the uh intro for this. Oh which I may show you a sample before we get yes, please. between stuff. Yeah. Um I have something fun at the end of it. <laughs> so as... well to, to to all of your like the most of your bumpers or your more intros are always very interesting. So I'm very I, I may have to shorten this one because that's the problem with the X-Men one mm. is it's too long. Yeah. And I knew it was too long when we first did it, but I couldn't fix it. And this one is like, it's still doing like the whole song basically. So mm. I may shorten it. We'll I gotcha. We'll see. Gotcha. Um, anyway, what do we have in the news? The news. The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Why, thank you, Dealit. And the only bit of news I can find is actually Studio Ghibli related. Uh, G Kid today, G Kids uh, has released today the English language trailer for the Oscar winning filmmaker Hayao Miyazaki's new film and quote unquote his last film. Well, well this is his fifth last film. Fifth last film. Uh, the Heron and the, I mean, like the boy and the Heron, 
The new trailer features a new look at the vocal performances of the film's all-star English cast and was produced in accordance to the SAG AFTRA foreign dubbing uh, agreement. Because so, we're still dealing with the actor strike too yes, right now. Yes. And they got a handful of really, really good actors to do this film. Oh, yes. Yeah. Apparently, Batman himself. Again. And uh, this is the second time Christian Bale. This is the second time strikes. Christian Bale is in this film. And uh, wow. the uh, Cobb makes a reappearance. Yes. Uh, <laughs> William Defoe. William Defoe. It's like William Defoe's in it. And considering so much of, I'm just going off the trailer. Feels like they're pulling from the from visuals from previous Studio Ghibli films. Like, are you making your Avengers Endgame with this film? What's going on? <laughs> Is this? Oh my god! Studio Ghibli Ultimate. Because <laughs> there's no, stuff to as like you've. It looks like you've got the. The, the 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 flame from Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. Except it's a girl this time, and she mm. has a human face somehow. Mm. Don't know what that's about. I still haven't seen this trailer yet. I need to. Oh yeah, you need to. It's a good trailer. It's like it, I, I saw. I saw. I think I saw it yesterday. It's like, oh, this is looks like it's going to be good. Mm. Unfortunately, it's coming out at a weird time, bad time for us because there's so many things coming out that weekend. Mm -hmm. But anyway continue yes uh so yeah that's all i have for in news unless you have something else uh this is really news but uh we've always said that if y'all left us like uh comments uh on our different social media platforms mm -hmm. then we would read them yes especially if they were like reviews and other forms of feedback really we have one from patreon really yes from edwin gonzalez ah this was one he sent on October 21st through uh, the private messaging system on mm -hmm. Patreon. It says, uh, I, I'm going to admit, I'm going to, th this is kind of written weird. Okay. So bear with me. It says I'm the bad guy. That's fine. It's no fault of mine. Fun fact, tangled and a power ranger season have something in common. Uh, a steampunk inspired villain and blue streak in their hair. I don't, I don't I didn't read all this all the way through. Oh, a steam. He's talking about Tangled the series. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, it says a steampunk inspired villain and blue streak in their hair and goggles, a redemption arc, and a great voice. I've been listening all over the podcast feed, having many marathon, many marathons of your episodes based on personal stuff and movies where I felt it's underloved, or ones that my little that my little brother to that get my little brother to sleep and etc. Love the Dila Deedlid stuff. That's Deedlid. By the way, the interrogations and the Kingdom Hearts connections. It's a blast have, having a varying marathon of your episodes. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you send that little thing I sent you on to Patreon? I think that's what I just read, isn't it? No, 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 no. no. The, the special piece of art I, I did. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, good. I think I did. Okay. I will double check you, that and make you, sure it's up there. Okay, gotcha. But uh, So, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, be like I, I'd be like he sent it to me, and I was like, ooh, because I knew what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, so yeah. If you're interested in what I actually drew, I will. Put it's it up only there. on Patreon. It, it's not up there yet, but I will put it there. Oh, okay. I just double checked. Well, 
when he does post it because that's the only place you're going to see it people be like unless you be like you you saw my feed at one point where i did draw it and i showed a snippet of it uh and if you're curious be like obviously it's a picture of variant from tangled series or yeah. rapunzel tangled adventure uh if you want to see the full image you're not going to see it anywhere else except for patreon so if you want to go see it go that's to where you go see it yeah go see it there go, go to patreon give us at least a dollar yeah that's all we're asking is a yeah. dollar that's now, it you want you you want the 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 regular uh you want the uncut episodes that's five yeah but anyway yeah you ready to jump into x-men yes let's jump into x-men previously on x-men His amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. X-Men, the animated series. We are within the last six episodes. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Breathe. Very much. I say, sorry, last four yes. episodes. And of course, <laughs> these are out of order with when they aired. <laughs> yeah, All four of them. You're not kidding. Oh, <laughs> and, my gosh. And here's a fun fact. This one, this first one we're reviewing. Yeah. I actually remember. Yeah. Same here. And I don't remember it looking this bad. <laughs> that is, we're talking about Old Soldiers. Yeah. Which first aired February 22nd, mm -hmm. 1997. Yes. It was directed, of course, by Larry Houston and Fred Miller. Those are names you should definitely know by now. Mm -hmm. And it was written by Eric Lewald, Lynn Ween, Sydney Iwanter, and Mark Edward Edens. Mm. In this episode, while visiting the friend, the grave of a friend in an army cemetery in France, Wolverine remembers a mission he he did for him while battling the Nazis and Red Skull with none other than Captain America by his side. Mm -hmm. Guest cast for this includes, well, this first one, he's not really a guest cast member. He's a regular cast member, but normally Cedric Smith is the voice of Professor Charles Xavier. Hmm. But in this, he's voicing Red Skull. Oh, I can hear that now. Which is very interesting when you yes. consider the future comics uh, history of these characters. Hmm. Look up Red Onslaught if you're wanting to know what I'm talking about. Oh, Red Onslaught. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, I, I heard about that character. We also have 
Tomas Marzecki as the worst uh, German soldier accent. Oh gosh, <laughs> that is the very worst uh, not German accent I think I've heard since uh, like the World War II era Bugs Bunny cartoons. <laughs> oh gosh. I've heard some bad ones. This wasn't, it's okay, yes. it's decent, but it's still, it's like, ugh, cringy. And we have Lawrence Bain playing none other than that star-spangled man with the plan, Captain mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. Trivia for this episode, of course, this is the debut of Captain America, Red Skull, and Captain Samuel, Happy Sam Sawyer. Yeah. And technically, I believe this is also their final appearance also, because I really doubt any of them are appearing in the next three episodes. Yes. Uh, Cameos for this. We have Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos being Nick Fury, Timothy Dum Dum Dugan, Robert Rebel Ralston, Isidore Izzy Cohen, and Percival Pinkerton along with Gabriel Jones. Mm. And if you're wondering, if you went and watched this episode, wondering why Nick Fury does not look a thing like Samuel L. Jackson, that's because no one thought to make him look like Samuel L. Jackson at this point. Yeah, the Ultimates hadn't come out yet. Yeah. And he was a white man in the original thing, because he was a a World War II character. Yeah. It's just how they were drawing characters at the time. Exactly. Now, he does, does at a later point, adopt a young African-American man who he gives the names uh, Nick Fury to because he's technically Nick Fury Jr. Oh. And that's the one that grows into Samuel L. Jackson. Really? In the newer comics. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. That's why in 616, he still looks like Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, that makes sense now. Even though it's an old... Because the ultimate's Nick Fury is technically dead. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> I didn't know that. Because, that's you know, the, the, trivia. the ultimate universe and the regular Earth 616 yeah. universe in the comics have merged to get together, yes, yeah. which is why you can have Miles Morales running around with Peter Parker. But their or Nick Fury yeah. is not the same Nick Fury in the 616. Really? Going with Nick Fury Jr. in really? 616. Really? And that's the one that looks like Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. Interesting. Because <laughs> the Nick Fury, the one, the original one is dead. Mm-hmm. Anyway. While the Red Skull activates his robot, the Sleeper, he exclaims, the Sleeper has awakened. This is the same line that Kyle MacLachlan says in the movie Dune 1984. Father, the Sleeper has awakened. Oh, gosh, that movie. Just just, just like having terrible flashbacks. I had to watch that movie for... uh, uh that other podcast we were on movie of the week podcast. movie of the week thank you thank you jim uh oh my gosh it took me i think three or four tries to watch that film it was so boring i watched that in one night and that's because i had because i understand why you didn't like it yeah and i only liked it because i is like five minutes into that film i'm like all right i've got uh, it's me and the riff tracks robots at this point <laughs> Because that's kind of where I was <laughs> mentally. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, also, uh, Red Skull's robot has the skull uh, mm-hmm. Im- imagery that is on it is similar to the Punisher's skull on his outfit. Got it. Which is like, how many different ways can you draw a skull? A lot of ways. Yeah, but apparently we went straight to the Punisher's version for this. Uh, what are your thoughts on this episode? Uh actually i really enjoyed it be like i could kind of look past the the funky animation for once 
my the the if you go back and listen to our previous episode over uh book of life where we do yeah, we, we uh, pull up nate marchan and right master activated which i have his permission to continue using that clip as long as we attribute it to him okay yeah yeah, yeah. so it is going to go on the soundboard i just need to make one slight modification to it so i never forget to attribute it to him okay i gotcha but um Oh, like I, I enjoyed the story tremendously because it was it was very much a Wolverine centric film, our our episode actually mm-hmm. that just like focuses on him and like his like he like he um obviously in the beginning it's you know some uh World War II vets or you know paying tribute to a friend they're like hey this guy looks like this oh you couldn't be him you're too young it's like yeah if only I could tell you Bob whatever his name yeah. is and I'm sitting there going. So we're going to see these characters later on in this episode. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. Nope. But uh, I, I enjoy that. We go back. We do a Wolverine flashback. Uh, I The one disappointment I had because where uh, Cap and Wolverine meet up and they're like, oh, they've got to climb this. And it's like, oh, I've got these handy things and puts on claws. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. Time out. Be like, this would have been before Weapon X. Yeah, but he had bone claws. Except not when this episode was written. The that bone is... claws were created for that movie and then put into the comics. Really? Yes. Okay, then. Or if I am wrong on that, it is like not far from before no, 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 that like, movie yeah. that the, he got bone claws. I think so because they 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 introduced that. Uh, they introduced it in the uh, oh crap. I think it was in the nineties. When, um, it was after this episode. Yeah, because he actually has bone claws. Because at, at this point in time, he does not get any claws until after the uh, animantium infusion of a skeleton. Yeah, because I what I remember, because they're going to be like, I'm not the biggest comic reader. I never right. have been. But far as I understand, when Magneto rips his, his adamantium out of his, bo- out of his bones, <laughs> uh, when he starts healing, be like, there's an amazing panel by, uh, what was that? Um, Adam Kerbit, Kirby, Kerbit. Um, it shows him where he pops out his claws for the right. first time and they're bone. So but, he had bone claws. But that was Literally. something that was introduced after this point. Okay. I do know that. It was after this point when that was introduced. Okay. Gotcha. I know it gained its infamy mm-hmm. from that from, from that one X-Men film, which I don't uh, remember which one that is. It may have been X-Men, X-Men Origins it's Wolverine. It's X-Men Origins Wolverine. It's, it's, you have to admit, it's the stupidest looking thing in that film. And I understand it's there already in the comics before that point, but it is still one of the oddest things they've ever done to Wolverine. Minus the 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 scene in X Men Eight, uh, not Eight. They never did Age of Apocalypse, but Days of Future Past, where mm-hmm. Wolverine goes into his younger body and has to pull. There, it made sense because we had already done it. Was there was no, no shock no, no, no. there? No, 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 no. Like I'm sorry, but like that that scene it was Days of Future Past. It was Days of Future Past, but the, the scene I'm talking about is where. Wolverine, he he gets in uh, X Men Origins where he gets his his metal claws for the first time, and it's such a bad digital effect. It's like ching 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 ching, and they're going through each other. It's just like the worst, uh, not the worst animation I've seen so far with comic films, but it was far close. Oh, yeah. But I digress. We're not talking about Marvel films. We're talking about X Men the animated series. Yeah, this is actually I. Th- before before I go to praising this episode, because I actually do like this. Yeah, episode. I enjoyed it too. 
did you notice a weird sound mixing with both of these episodes or was yeah. that just me uh, because it seemed that, like the audio and the sound effects were much louder than the they were. Vocals. They okay, were. so that wasn't me. I don't know if that's a Disney, yeah. if, if that's because of Disney Plus, mm. or if this is an issue with uh, the digital versions that were probably made for the DVD mm. back in the day, oh or something wrong with this the masters or what. But the only reason I could hear, I knew what people were saying in some of these mm-hmm. scenes was because I had the closed captioning on. Got it. Uh, so yeah, th- there was some weird audio in, in this episode, but that's like the only real downside I have to this, other than you know just the weird extra fluidity that this an- that th- this current animation style has yeah. for these characters. This episode is like okay, we got Wolverine and Captain America killing Nazis, yeah, and you can say that they're Nazis mm-hmm. because they never said Hydra. No. Yes, we fought Red Skull. Yes. We never said it was Hydra, which who else has got that gonna leave in World War II, even though we never said who they were. Yeah. The Nazis. So we well, got we got Wolverine the, the, and Captain America killing Nazis. Or the, sorry, this is Saban. Destroying Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> so the 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 closest thing we get to an acknowledgement that this is the third right, you know, these are Nazis. Because it's Germany. And it's it's, it's it, Germany during World War yes. II. And they refer to they refer to him as Uncle Adolf. Uncle, I, I love that. Uh, the when uh, Wolverine keeps calling them goose steppers. Yes, those, those, those German goose steppers. It's like you're doing everything you can to not actually say the word Nazi, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, because that's probably a word that would get you. You probably couldn't get, get past the fox. Yeah, get flagged on that one. But uh, I, I kept saying, I kept in the uh, you know the the history nerd I am because I have a huge his love World War II mm-hmm. history. I was like, it's it's goose step, not goose step. Oh, he's an American. Talking I know. About what he's Canadian. <laughs> What's well, not American? He's Canadian. He's North American. He's Canuck. He's North American. Okay. He's still running around with Captain America. So hey, who cares? <laughs> uh, this is just a fun episode because I we, agree. It was this so much has fun. Got to be like the only episode of X Men where a non X Men hero is a major player in the episode exactly the only other time we had an x-men a non-x-men character come up was in a rogues tale when we had uh carol danvers show up for a hot second but that was in a flashback yeah to show how how uh rogue learned how to fly yes uh and yes i say carol danvers i did yep. not say captain marvel you and say carol marvel. Danvers. we all know who she is but i want to make sure there was no confusion yeah <laughs> so yeah this this is actually just a, such a fun episode getting to see Wolverine and Captain America mm. killing Nazis. Yeah. Kicking Nazi Destroy, butt. <laughs> destroying Nazis. I got to say that right cuz this is this is Fox Kids. It's destroying Nazis. Yes, I wouldn't have said Nazis either, but whatever. <laughs> Kicking some Nazis butts. Uh, and I I loved how the, obviously they could never show the SWAT sticker. Oh yeah, 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 I saw that. Also <laughs> gets you so flat. So flat <laughs> on Fox Kids. <laughs> so where obviously the swastika was supposed to go on those sleeper robots. Yeah, it was just, it's a, just a giant no skull. symbol. <laughs> like, you know what goes here. We weren't allowed to put it here, so we're just going to put a giant circle with a slash. Yeah. No, not no. here. Yeah, not here. <laughs> oh, and I God. do like, I, I did like the design of these things. They were not too, mm-hmm. the giant robots were not too space age. Yeah. This is supposed to be World War II. It's, it's, yes. It actually feels like world uh 1940s yeah 
uh, early futurism mm-hmm. where it's still very mechanical, uh, yes. not very digital like a, like modern stuff would be. Even though technically the the Sentinels would also are also very mechanical, true in their thing. But this does not feel like those. This feels like old like clockwork kind of a thing. Yes, and I I love the the design on them and. I, the fact that we actually got Red Skull. Here's the thing. I yeah. know I saw this episode because I remember Captain America and Wolverine fighting in World War II. Uh, I remember this from a kid. I do not remember them fighting Red Skull. Okay. I don't even remember Red Skull until I was uh, trying to figure out what, what Captain America's story was when that movie was starting to come out and I looked up character. And I, yes. I was doing research on it. So, yeah, I actually like that we actually got to fight Red Skull on this. Like, okay, this is lots of fun. Okay. So yeah, yeah. This this was an amazing. This was a very enjoyable episode, because uh, there again, it kind of wraps up who Wolverine is in a way. Mm-hmm. And then you get the next episode. Uh, let's go ahead and get yeah, that out of the way. Pull, pull the massive bandaid off. Pull the hair out. Let's just do it. Hidden agendas Ugh. directed once again by Larry Houston and Fred Miller. Mm-hmm. And this episode was written by Eric Dewald, Sydney Awanter, and Mark Edward Edens. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that Sydney Iwanter is the primary writer of these episodes, and they're doing and and Mark Edward Edens and Eric Lewald, who have written a lot of all these other episodes, yes. they must have been doing script doctoring. Yeah, <laughs> that's my guess. Uh, this episode, say, uh, uh, the where I got this, I think where where I, where I get the uh, summaries, I think they got it wrong here. Mm. Tell me if I'm right that they got it wrong. Okay. Sam Guthrie's parents have contacted Professor Xavier about their son's mutant powers. <laughs> that is not what happened. That is this. not the summary. They never talked to Xavier at all until the very end of this thing. Yeah, because the, the only time Sam brings up Professor Xavier... doesn't Z- even know who they are. Uh, no, Kirk's going to be like, Sam knows who they are because I've seen him on television. Yeah, but he... I know never means- talked to them before. No! The X-Men do not know who this is. Yeah, at the very end, to be like, that's it. So, yeah, let's go ahead and get into the guest cast. Yes. Adrian Egan was the voice of Cannonball, a.k.a. Samuel Guthrie. Yes. And Tara Strong was the voice of Paige Guthrie, his sister. And this is the only piece of trivia that I was able to find for this. Hmm. One of Sam's tormentors wears a Punisher t-shirt. He does. And that's painfully obvious. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Good night. This is a horrible episode. <laughs> it's not done very well. I get what it's doing, but it's like the, the story wise, interesting. The story wise, but is this is a season one story. It's like you're 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 just harshing again. It's like humans hate mutants. Yeah, so we're going to be evil to them. And there's an evil uh, government organization that's going to try and. Uh, weaponized mutants. Yeah. Did they ever say what this organization was called? Uh, I don't think they did. I don't think so. It was uh, like some special organization. Right. But this could have been shield, sword, or right. anything. It's like they gave no clue as to what this actually was. For all we knew, this was the Weapon X program all over again. True. It was just like general evil government agents are trying to capture mutants and that's all we really need to know about it granted i actually like the design for for guthrie for sam guthrie in this and i kind of like his character but yeah oh this episode is so overcooked undercooked i don't know oh my gosh 
Well, here, it's like here's we should know what this is. And Grant, I think the only interesting thing here is that Rogue goes under the name Miss LeBeau. Oh, that was hilarious. I <laughs> looked this up because <laughs> it's like, okay, obviously she got the last name from Remy. From Remy. Yes. I get that. I wonder what her actual last name is. Hmm. Do you know that the only last name we actually have for Rogue is LeBeau? Because she married Remy apparently in the comics at one point. Yeah, she does. Her parents are never given a last name. Yeah, because all we know her her actual name is like Marie, Anna, Anna Marie, Anna Marie, and uh, the the Mystique. Uh, mm-hmm. Her cover at that point when she was uh, you know, had adopted Rogue, mm-hmm. they never gave a last name for that character. No, they so did not. as far as we know. She doesn't have a last name until she married Remy. Yeah. So interesting. And that and that from what I could tell, that happened after this. So mm-hmm. that's as far as we know, her only last name is LeBeau. True. <laughs> so but yeah, this is just kind of a it's kind of a bland episode. Yeah. So I mean like I like the premise because it does deal with fear mongering. Because yeah. you, you have this this entire and, community is riled up because this general wants this 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 boy for his mutant powers man do they turn on him fast yeah because none of that town seemed to hate this kid at the beginning of the episode and they all knew he had he was a mutant yeah he was the only mutant in town and they no one seemed to care until someone came and says hey you got a mutant around here i hear they have radiation that's what they're killing their cows you killed my horse bessie Oh my gosh. You have a mutant working in these mines because that's why there's radiation in these rocks. Or you could have found a deposit of uranium. Could go either way. Because they're gonna be like, it's it's a good example of fear-mongering and stirring people's fears yeah. up and that kind and, of stuff. And I get like, that, I, but I, I, I enjoy the aspect of the of the story, but like I can't get past the ugly animation. It's so ugh. there is that. And the other thing is if you're trying to introduce the, this feels like you're trying to introduce the concept of why the X-Men are the heroes that are saving the world that hates them. Yes. You're having to explain why they, why the humans hate mutants. Mm -hmm. Yes. This is the story you do in like episodes two or three of the series, not three. uh, Sorry. When this episode aired two episodes, the second to last episode of the series. Mm -hmm. So, is this just an old script that didn't get used till now? What? I don't know. It's just a kind of a dull episode. Yeah, it for, is. Especially at this point in the series. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. Be like, it's, it, it has to be like, there can be like, I, I thought the, the last two episodes we did prior to uh, old, like uh, old friends. It's not old friends, but the last episode we just did. Uh, old soldiers. Old soldiers. Uh, even Jubilee's fairy tale theater was, much more original thought than this yeah like the animation it's so flat and i this is one thing i kind of thought like watching this because you have uh the introduce to this character who's supposed to be kind of a cannonball type character from the comics yeah but uh oh my gosh be like he has like three angles of his face mm-hmm. and that's it and it's all flat and here's the problem i have with that because you have what is the our character who's having the troubles i can't remember his name sam sam be like Sam's having his issue and he's talking, he's walking with Rogue. And 
they're completely flat. There's no mm-hmm. dynamic or nothing to it. I keep thinking like even Rogue's flat, and she's never flat. <laughs> I, I was watching this episode, and this is the first episode where I really was paying attention to the animation. Yes, because uh, the last couple uh, when we've had with this animation style, I mean, you had Rogue's, uh, you had Jubilee's Fairy Tale Theater, which was. Mm-hmm at least fun to watch even if it was stupid yes and you had uh the other i don't remember the other one we did that episode but uh and then you had of course wolverine and captain america uh, mm-hmm. fighting nazis in the last one this is the first one where i'm it's literally the story is so uninteresting to me because mm-hmm. it's like so basic for, for an x-men story mm-hmm. i'm paying attention to the animation i finally realized where i've seen this animation style mm-hmm. before where captain um, planet and the planeteers you're kidding me, right? This is that animation. Really? It looks just like it. It's that style. And great, oh, okay. different artwork. But okay. you look at how they're moving the faces and, okay. the, and the actual movement of characters. This is Captain Planet. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not. I'm just like, right. I'm, 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 I'm literally going to YouTube to find Captain Planet and look at the animation just for a minute. Continue. And Grant, you may disagree with me. It's the closest. Yeah. It's the closest thing I can think to this style of character, uh, where they're trying to do this goofy kind of, uh, yeah, extra fluidic animation. Now, granted, a lot of Captain Planet doesn't is is actually a lot better. Has a lot more money put behind it. Yeah, Turner loved the mm-hmm. Captain Planet idea. It was his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that was his baby. Mm. But and this is definitely just like we're trying to get this stuff out as cheap as possible, and there's okay. not a lot of quality control. But like I said, that's just the closest I can come to is like what this animation style is. Is this Captain Planet? Fair enough. I'm not saying it's exact. I'm saying it's very similar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's the last. That's pretty much ends my thoughts on on this. Episode. I got you. Yeah, it's just like like you said, it's very dull story. The animation is so flat. And like I said, be like I'm watching this episode and it's our 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 character of the week and Rogue because I couldn't like one Rogue does not have orange hair. She has red hair. At least go brown. Is that yeah. brown looks better than this orange? Orange? Did did she did she accidentally get her hair dunked in a uh She accidentally busy- she petted Garfield. She put in Garfield <laughs> and her hair went poof. Um, other than that, it's just like, man, like there, there's a, when uh, the X-Men just show up out of nowhere and they're like, it's like, it's not Sam. It's these mutants here. It's the X-Men. And just they're just backing up like, wait a minute. We would never back up. We just got here. What's wrong with you people? And there, there's one line where it's like, uh, gambit is saying something but he's talking over wolverine but we never hear him say anything yeah he's not like wolverine like just like no we're not because we like cyclops would tell him to back up be like you can't attack these people they're innocent people well more like dumb rednecks but still (laughs) but it was just like what in the world this is wolverine is just like doing this number the entire time and it's like it's goofy it's like i don't even know why all the x-men showed up here yeah there's no reason for it there should have been like like a small team of it, them. it makes sense that beast and mm-hmm. xavier would show up true and and gambit of course of course but 
why were Cyclops and Wolverine and Jean Grey there? In fact, have is this the first time we've seen Jean Grey since the end of season four? I think so. Um, no, she she was in the episode with the uh, the Morlocks. Yeah, and and the fairy tale theater. In the fairy tale theater, she actually had barely all in fairy tale theater, <laughs> as she was the queen. Oh my gosh! Or the princess? I don't remember. Yeah, I think she was. The that queen. was a goofy episode. Was <laughs> it was so a fun goofy it was, episode. It was fun, but gee, yeah, I think knees. you have anything else before we cut out of no. this? No. Well, the, other I, than me telling what the next two episodes the, are. The, the thing I'm gonna miss because they're gonna, I think we're our last two episodes. Next one is the last. Is we got two episodes left before uh, we finish with X Men uh, uh, the animated series, and we have then we're doing a special thing right after that. Yes, that's X Men so, related. So we're have we have two more episodes left, or is it two sets of episodes? Next, we have two sets of episodes. Okay. Next week we have the episode Descent mm-hmm. and Graduation Day, which will finish X Men the animated series. Okay. And then the week after that. We're doing Pride of the X-Men. That's right. Which is, okay, yes. Yeah, that's the plan. Okay. So, yeah, I think other than that, that's probably going to be it for this episode. Okay. Unless you got something else. I know you're still trying, you're still fact-checking me on uh, animation style. <laughs> uh, in, in, I think the animation's a little more fluid. Now, granted, what I'm watching is episode season one. Yeah, and I think the animation looks a little better because it's a lot more fluidic and it has more because they're, they're like but it really the char- feels like this is what they're aiming for. Yeah, than than what they were doing with except uh, the characters before. have more dimension and shadow. <laughs> I didn't say it was better. Okay. Anyway, anyway, that's yeah. gonna end do it for us guys. Uh, join us next week, of course, for Ponyo along with those two yes. episodes of X Men the Animated Series I said earlier. And uh, in the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. I try. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L.
Dragon X Machina. Yeah. Dragon Power! Raw! <laughs> you know, now that you say that, <laughs> there are a lot of times where t- when Tommy shows up, it does feel like Dragon X Machina. <laughs> that is true. 